Hey all, this is Cassie, the host of Everybody. And ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed with how the human body works and how no matter what stage in life you're at, you can make amazing changes. Together, we're going to deep dive into topics like disease, nutrition, mental health, and more, all with a focus on how we can take steps toward living healthier, happier lives. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for coming back and tuning in again. I do want to say a huge thank you. I am almost to 1,000 downloads, which is a really, really big achievement for me. Um, And so that means people are listening. Hopefully people are getting help. I'm so excited to be so close to achieving that first milestone in my podcasting journey. So thank you for listening and please continue to share episodes that you think other people would be interested in as well. You can share them to your social media platforms. You can send them in a text uh, to friends and family. So just keep on helping me spread the word and get the show out there. I truly appreciate it. Now today we are going to focus on inflammation and we're not necessarily talking about acute inflammation like the thing that happens when you sprain an ankle or get a burn or something like that, but we're going to talk on chronic inflammation and why it isn't so great for you, what can contribute to worsening chronic inflammation, including the foods in your diet. So today is just going to be a quick Um, kind of overview of things. And then if I do get response from this episode and people want to dive even deeper, we certainly can. So let's just start with separating the two things, acute and chronic inflammation. Acute inflammation is really the kind of inflammation we all think of, the redness, swelling, heat, pain, you know, it occurs with uh, tissue damage. But Chronic inflammation is different. It really, number one, isn't as obvious that it's going on. Your body does give you cues, but it's not like, whoa, my ankle's swollen, something's wrong, right? Um, And it's only, really the only way to check that it's happening is by blood tests through your doctor. So it's not something that you could get off this podcast today and be like, oh yeah, I for sure have chronic inflammation and this is what I'm going to do about it. It's more something that doesn't show up as obviously in your daily life. But inflammation in simple terms is just your body's response to harmful stimuli. Could be something like pathogens or damaged cells, toxic compounds, things like that found inside your body. Acute inflammation is a good thing. So acute inflammation is your body's response to harmful stimuli. So it really minimizes injury or infection. So it's like you hurt yourself, you get a burn, you sprain your ankle, that immediate swelling and all the things that follow are actually really good for you and help prevent you from getting injured more. And we've actually talked about that in the pain episodes way, way back when I first started the podcast. But Inflammation that becomes chronic or lingers for too long in your immune system will continue to pump out white blood cells and give your body the perspective that it's consistently under attack, even though it may not be, which means your immune system is going to be fighting sort of indefinitely. So it's just going to keep working even when it doesn't need to. Now, inflammation, this chronic type of inflammation, has been recognized as a major cause of disease in the heart, lungs, liver, the pancreas, your brain, your intestines. It can cause diabetes. It can make arthritis situations worse. It can cause bowel disease like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And it even plays a role in people with chronic depression. So in fact, it's also 
estimated that about 15.15% of human cancers are associated with chronic infection and inflammation. So chronic inflammation is a big deal, you guys. It's something that uh, really plays a role in just about every major disease that people in the U.S. are dying from these days, including heart disease. And heart disease is like one of the number one killers in the U.S. So You know, inflammation itself in simple terms is your body's response to those harmful stimuli. Um, And acute inflammation is a good thing, but that chronic inflammation is not so good. So when you have that chronic state of inflammation, your your body starts to attack healthy tissues on top of the tissues that may be causing you harm. So an example of this is someone who is overweight. So if you're overweight and you have more visceral fat cells, and those are the fat cells that surround your organs, your immune system might see those fat cells as a threat and start attacking them. And the longer you're overweight, the longer you'll remain in this state of inflammation. So that's one way you could get stuck in this chronic state of inflammation is having too much visceral fat or that fat surrounding those organs. Now think about this. Um, This leads to action number one that can be beneficial for your body when it's in a state of chronic inflammation, and this is no surprise to you, exercise and your NEAT, your non-exercise activity. We talked about this a couple episodes ago, but put simply, the less visceral fat you have on your body, the less inflammation you'll have. So the answer is really quite simple, right? Move your body daily, both with exercise and in general, spend less time sitting on your butt and more time moving. And in doing that, you will start to lose some of that visceral fat, which will reduce your chronic inflammation, which seems very simple, but it's something that still most Americans aren't doing. And so it's worth repeating and talking about over and over again that the number one thing you can do to help reduce the fat on your body is to move your body, right? And most of us still aren't doing that. And again, pandemic times, more and more of us, even those of us that normally would be doing that, aren't doing that now because we're working from home. We're not even walking from our car to our business or anything like that. So exercise, exercise, exercise. But let's talk diet because I believe this has become more and more of an interest to just people everywhere, just common people of hearing terms like anti-inflammatory diet Or what should I cut out of my diet? Should I not eat gluten? Should I not have dairy? You know, all of these things. And people think immediately, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to reduce inflammation. I'm going to do this or that or, you know, whatever it is that they've heard their friends doing or maybe seen on TV or something like that. But we're going to start with talking about foods that cause inflammation. And none of these are going to be a surprise to you, you guys. None of these things that I'm about to tell you cause inflammation are going to be a surprise. Um, So let's, we'll get into them right away. Refined carbohydrates, white bread, pastries, you know, the muffins, the cookies, those kinds of things. Not good. Inflammation causers. Fried foods, french fries, fried chicken, anything you're getting on a stick at the state fair, right? Um, Soda and other sweetened drinks. So anything that's going to have that white sugar in it. um, And some uh, dietitians even stretch as far as sugar in general, including honey and agave, um, but definitely just like the white refined sugar, any drinks that have that in there, no good for you. Big inflammation causer. 
red meat. Red meat can cause inflammation. Red meat like burgers, steaks, things like that should all be consumed in moderation. And there is definitely a tie between red meat and cancer as well. Um, so now other meats are going to be processed meats, things like hot dogs, sausage, things like that, right? And then things like margarine, shortening, lard, those kinds of additives that are often added in cooking and things like that are also big inflammation causers in your body. So refined carbohydrates, fried foods, sugar, sodas, sweetened drinks, red meats, processed meats, margarine. Those are some big ones that if you can start cutting those out or just reduce the amount that are going in, you are going to significantly help your inflammation just starting at step one. But we'll go to the flip side now. We'll talk about foods that actually help reduce inflammation. So some examples are tomatoes, olive oil, green leafy vegetables, spinach, kale, things like that, nuts, fatty fish, fruits, especially fruits like strawberries and blueberries, apples, cherries, oranges, okay? Now, the Women's Health Initiative Observational Study and the Multi-Ethnic Study of Atherosclerosis, they suggest that a diet with an appropriate amount of calories that's low in refined carbohydrates, high in soluble fiber, high in monounsaturated fats, a higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, and high in polyphenols all have anti-inflammatory effects on the body. So these findings are very similar to another diet that you may have heard of, the Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet is basically olive oils, fish, lots and lots of fruits and vegetables, legumes and beans, and whole grains. Okay, so these things are very good for you. They're very good at reducing the inflammation in your body. So we'll start with talking fruits and veggies. So if you're thinking fruits and vegetables, you are going to aim for lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, leafy greens, spinach and kale, things like broccoli and cabbage all reduce inflammation as well. The substance that gives fruits their colors, like the substance that's in raspberries, cherries and blackberries also can reduce inflammation. So these things are all high in natural antioxidants and polyphenols, which I mentioned before. And polyphenols are really reducing agents. And together with vitamin C and vitamin E and antioxidants, they actually protect the body's tissue against oxidative stress and the associated pathologies like cancer, heart disease, and inflammation. So fruits and veggies, fruits and veggies, fruits and veggies should be the staple of what you're eating the most of. And I think it's the one thing, especially vegetables, that most Americans eat the least of. We need to be shopping on the outside of the grocery stores, buying the fresh veggies, the greens, the things that are rich in color, deep greens and purples and reds and oranges and those things. Those are literally the earth's gifts to us and our bodies. It's what we need to consume above all else. Now, beyond that, we can talk whole grains. Whole grains would be things like oatmeal, brown rice, whole wheat bread, and any other unrefined grain because they tend to be higher in fiber along with beans and legumes, which are also higher in fiber and loaded with antioxidants and anti-inflammatory substances. So a fiber-rich diet 
may help reduce inflammation by lowering your body weight. And high fiber foods are also feed the bacteria in your gut, good bacteria, which then releases substances to help lower levels of inflammation throughout your body. So think about this. If we're eating high fiber, unrefined grains and beans and legumes, they are actually going to release substances in our gut that are going to fight inflammation throughout our entire body. Now, those whole grains are really simple to find these days in the grocery store. Lots and lots of breads are being made with whole grains, um, things like oatmeal, you know, the closer to the more natural source you can get, the less processed types of foods, the better it is. I mean, heck, even going out and investing in your own bread maker and making your stuff from home is not only fun, but you can guarantee that there's only like four or five ingredients in that whole grain bread that you're eating and you know exactly what's going into your body. Next, nuts. Nuts have healthy fat that stop inflammation. So some nuts and seeds are high in ALA, which is a type of anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acid. And there are some nuts that are rich in magnesium and vitamin E, and those also play a role in keeping inflammation under control. Now, when thinking about nuts, again, you're trying to think about more of a natural kind of nut, not really the ones where salt is added or the honey roasted or things like that. You're talking all these additives, right? But just a good handful size of a healthy nut every day is enough to help your body fight inflammation. You don't want to be eating multiple handfuls of nuts because then you're probably getting too much fat and too many calories from those nuts in your diet. But a handful of nuts a day or seeds or nuts and seeds can be very, very beneficial to your health. And you're also getting some good healthy fats inside of you, some natural fats, the kind of fat your body actually needs. Next, fish. All right, so eating fish can be very good for inflammation. So you want to have fish at least about twice a week, stuff like salmon, tuna, sardines, if you're a fan of that. Um, those three specifically all have plenty of omega-3 fatty acids, and we mentioned those before with our nuts as well, but those omega-3 fatty acids can reduce the production of molecules and substances linked to inflammation, such as cytokines. So those cytokines are substances and molecules inside of your body, and eating fish will help reduce the production of those cytokines. Uh, next is herbs and spices. Lots of herbs and spices can help reduce inflammation, but one you're probably very familiar with is turmeric or turmeric curcumin, um, and garlic also will actually prevent a boost in inflammation. So cooking with lots of garlic is very good for you too, okay? So those are kind of the things you're looking to put in your diet the most. Now, let's talk dairy because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation about dairy out there. Now, if dairy is something that you have an actual allergy to, then yes, it's going to cause inflammation in your body or maybe like lactose, like you've heard of people being lactose intolerant. Now, the only way you would know if you actually have an allergy to dairy or lactose is by going through the testing. But this is one thing I feel like doctors will go to often or even people that maybe aren't as educated or are only educated by what they've heard or seen from their friends or things around them. So a lot of times we'll go to the doctor and say, 
you know, we'll, we'll maybe give them this list of symptoms we have and the doctor might be like, oh, sounds like chronic inflammation because there are symptoms of chronic inflammation. And, and then the doctor may say, okay, let's start by cutting out dairy. Now, this isn't a bad thing. It's called an elimination diet. You eliminate one food completely from your diet for a certain amount of time, and then you reintroduce it. So you track how your symptoms are with it completely out of your diet, and then as you start reintroducing it into your diet, you see if your symptoms have changed. And that's one way of saying, does this bother me or does it not? But dairy itself is not a food that will cause inflammation if you don't have some kind of allergy to it. Dairy actually has a lot of really good things for us in it. Um, but when it comes to dairy, any kind of dairy or any food for that matter that's high in saturated fats will cause an inflammatory response in your body. And so a lot of whole fat dairy products are high in saturated fat. And so if you're reacting to some dairy products, it could be because you're having dairy products that are high in saturated fat, and that saturated fat is no good for us for many reasons. But if we're talking inflammation, that saturated fat is a big inflammatory causer in our body. So if you want to eat dairy and you don't have a known allergy to it, what I would recommend is you aim for low-fat dairy products that have less saturated fat in them. So you can pick up two different, um, say, things of yogurt, one with maybe that's whole milk and one that's low-fat, flip them around, look at the labels, check out the saturated fat on the label, pick the one with less saturated fat in it. And that goes for cheeses, that goes for, I mean, really any kind of food that you're going to buy. If it's high in saturated fat, you don't want that. That's not good for inflammation, but it's also not good for your heart, your cholesterol. That saturated fat is something you want to stay away from as much as you possibly can. So dairy itself does not cause inflammation unless it is super high in saturated fat or unless you already have um, an allergy to dairy, and then it will cause inflammation because obviously anything we're allergic to will cause our body to have some inflammation, right? So just something to consider. Dairy isn't bad if you're not already allergic to it. High saturated fats are bad, whether it's in dairy or any other thing that you're going to put in your body. Now, beyond foods, another piece of information you want to consider is stress, right? So if we have chronic inflammation, it's not just going to be because of 100% of what we eat, right? It's a combination of diet, exercise, sleep, and stress. Now, think about stress. We've talked about stress a few times already. We talked about it in our chronic pain episode. Um, and think when we talked about stress in our chronic pain episode, episode we talked about how being in High amounts of stress for long periods of time causes your body to produce a lot of cortisol. And cortisol not only leads to weight gain and muscle mass loss, but it leads to inflammation. And so the more stressed you are and the longer period of time you're stressed out, the higher your inflammatory response in your body will be because your body is perceiving that it's in threat or in danger. And so it releases all this stuff to cause inflammation, to fight off whatever it is attacking your body, although it may not be anything actually physically in your body attacking it. It may be your levels 
of stress. So we've talked about this a lot before. And then sleep is so important. And again, something we've talked about with, we talked about with pain, we talked about um, with some other topics as well, but sleep is when your body regenerates. Sleep is when your body heals. Sleep is when your body gets rid of all the junk out of your brain, you know, out of your joints and releases that so that you feel better when you wake up in the morning, more energized, ready to go. Now, if you're not sleeping well, and maybe you're not sleeping well because you're stressed, maybe you're not sleeping well because you're not exercising and moving your body enough, maybe you're not sleeping well because the foods you eat are causing you to be in a state of inflammation, and so you're not releasing the right kinds of hormones to help you sleep. So really, we're kind of coming full circle again. But number one, your diet. You know, focus on the types of foods that we touched on, whole grains, fish, lots and lots and lots of fruits and veggies, legumes and nuts, avoiding the deep fried foods, the sugary foods, the sugary drinks, those refined carbohydrates, the cookies, the crackers, uh, the white flour, avoiding red meat or reducing the amount of red meat that you eat, um, reducing those processed meats that you eat. And if you're concerned about dairy, you can try focusing first on low-fat dairy or the dairy that has lower saturated fat. Now, if you truly think that you have an allergy to dairy, I would highly recommend that you go and seek out help from a medical professional to really confirm if that's the issue or not. Because if you think uh, dairy is causing me problems and you cut it out, and now you're missing out on all the other things you could be getting from dairy, but it also wasn't the thing really causing you a problem, you're still going to be stuck in the same situation you were before. So it's not going to change anything to cut out dairy if dairy is not the problem, which is where a medical professional comes in handy to help confirm if that's actually the problem or not. So your diet is very, very important for helping reduce that chronic inflammation in your body. And if you choose to have things one day, you know, if you are going somewhere and you're like, oh, no, I know I'm going to have fried foods or I know I'm going to have some sweet treats with sugar or whatever, just expect that the next few days you're not going to feel as great as you would had you avoided those foods. And I think we can all agree that we've all been there and eaten a bunch of stuff that we know wasn't good for us. And then the next day we felt kind of crummy or maybe even that evening um, have felt kind of bad. And that's just our body saying like, hey, this stuff is not good. Stop putting this inside your body. Um, So number one, your diet. Number two, your exercise and your movement. Obviously, exercise and movement leads to all kinds of benefits, including weight control, stress relief, and improving your sleep. And so if we start really paying attention to this and making sure that we're getting up and moving our bodies throughout the day, and I don't just mean like an hour of exercise in the gym, but I mean getting out, taking a walk, getting up and walking around your house or your office for two minutes every hour. I mean, after work, taking yourself outside and walking around the block, Uh, going up and down your stairs on a rainy day if you can't get outside. How about every hour you do two or three flights of stairs, right? There are ways you can find to move your body, even when you don't necessarily have a big chunk of time to devote to exercise. But Moving your body and exercising is going to reduce your overall body fat. It's going to improve your joint stability. Uh, It's going to reduce your weight eventually. 
And all of those things are also going to lead to having a healthy heart, avoiding things like diabetes, uh, and all of those things that come with being overweight. So if you just start moving, you are going to significantly reduce the inflammation in your body and continue to better yourself. Now, diet, exercise, put those two things together. If you get those two things in check, those are really going to help your sleep and your sleep quality. And if you're sleeping better, again, you're going to be reducing inflammation in your body because you're giving your body time to heal as you rest. So just take those things into consideration. And then let's think about stress relief. What kinds of things can you do to reduce the amount of stress in your life or help you improve the way that you react to that stress? So some stress can't be removed from our lives. Like it may just be, maybe you do have a chronic illness. Maybe you're just a mom or a dad and you have young children. Like that's stressful. That's just part of life, right? And so we can't remove those responsibilities or that stress from our life, but we can do things to help us respond better to the stress, right? And some of those things do include diet, exercise, and getting good sleep, but thinking about a meditation practice, even if it's just five minutes a day. I will tell my clients that meditation practice is just that, it's practice. It might not make a difference right away when you're doing it, although it often does, but think about when you're practicing for a sport, right? And you practice and you practice and you practice and eventually it's game day and that's where your practice really pays off. It's the same thing with stress and meditation. If I'm meditating every single day and reducing, teaching my brain how to handle the stress that comes, then when that stress does come, I'll have all this practice built up in my brain and now it's game day and now I can reduce how much stress I have when that situation happens because of all the practice that I've done. So meditation is a fabulous way for you to work on your stress control and your stress response. So, you know, overall, we've kind of circled back again to our recurring theme of general wellness to prevent disease, right? We've talked about this again and again. We'll keep talking about it. You need to eat well. You need to eat well to feel well. You need to eat well to have a healthy body, to have energy, to reduce your chance of chronic illness and cancer and heart disease and liver disease, fatty liver disease that is not related to alcoholism. That is something that comes from uh, chronic inflammation. Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, depression, diabetes, all of this stuff can be reduced, your chances reduced and, and eliminated from eating a healthy diet and moving your body, getting the right amount of exercise and activity during the day, working on reducing your stress and getting good sleep, quality sleep. You know, you don't need to sleep 12 hours, but if you can get seven to eight hours of good quality sleep every night, your life can literally change. Your health will change. So if you're concerned about chronic inflammation, or you think maybe I do have some chronic inflammation, um, if you're concerned about your weight or wanting to try to eliminate some things out of your diet, change your diet, I really, really recommend you reaching out to whoever your healthcare professional is, whether that's you know, your primary care doctor, maybe you see a naturopath, um, maybe you're in touch with a registered dietitian or someone that helps you out that way. But I really recommend 
taking these questions, and if this episode has sparked some questions for you, take them to whatever medical professional it is that you consult with about your health and talk to them about the decisions that you make and what decisions are truly best for you. Because not everything is going to be the best for everybody. But what I do want you to focus on is that you can make small changes right now today that can help change whatever's going on in your body right now. So whether that means you put down the cookies and you pick up a whole grain, whatever piece of bread instead, or you start adding fish into your diet a couple times a week, you eat fruits and vegetables at every single meal and for snacks, I promise you are going to feel so much better just by making some of these little changes in your life. So I really hope that this episode helped answer a few questions, spark some interest. Maybe you're going to go out and do some digging as well on your own. My information today, a lot of it came from Harvard Health, uh, WebMD, um, Healthline. You have so much information out there from good, credible sources. And a good, credible source would be something, oh, nutrition.org is another place I got some information from. Anything that ends in .org or .edu is probably a good place to start with. You can get a lot of really good information from studies done at colleges around the world. Keep being curious, going out there, reaching for new information, learn new things, be open and willing to change if you learn something that might be different than the ways you used to do it. It's okay to learn new things and change the way you do stuff based on new knowledge, right? Know better, do better. All right, you guys, I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Have a fabulous week, and I'll talk to you again soon. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you've learned something today about your body, and I know you're thinking of someone right now that would love to listen to this too, so go ahead and send it to them. Until next time, make sure to drink plenty of water, move your body, and smile often.